hello, hello, and welcome to the Vagabond Way podcast. The journey goes ever on with the long road. This episode, nipples bouncing in time to the beat of the tuba. Continuing our recent streak of slightly bonkers trio chats, join Steve Bonham, Kev Moore, and Chris the Bishop Leiden, that's me, for some chats about where in the world we'd love to play and the breaches of reality that occur during that chat. Uh, Kev takes us on more steps along his Camino trek, reflecting on the words that nature and travel inspire, and Steve talks about life on Mars, the places, the other worlds that music can take you. The Vagabond Way podcast featuring The Long Road is exploring the world of the troubadour, the adventure of the vagabond. The world isn't beige, it isn't processed, it's authentic, it's rich and it's real. If those are the sorts of sentiments that make your brain light up, then hop on board. We are embracing all of those things, we're celebrating all of that, and we'd love it if you join us on the journey. Greetings, I am Chris the Bish Leiden. Welcome to the world of The Long Road, another slice of life in a rock and roll band. Um, episode titles are often derived from the content in that week's show, uh, and this week is no different. Listen out for the phrase, I'll let you ponder for now exactly who says it, um, but I never thought I'd be typing that particular sentence out as an episode title. Quick parish notices, the Festival of the Artisan website is live with all the info about the lineup for the two-day livestream music festival we are helping to organise for the 26th and 27th of March. The UK's best acoustic music live-streamed direct to your home, wherever in the world you are. Check out festivaloftheartisan.co.uk. We've just launched our backstage passes. These give you exclusive merchandise, exclusive content, and some discount codes for our fabulous partners, so do check them out. There's a VIP virtual backstage pass for £20, and the Access All Areas virtual backstage pass for £45. There's some great stuff available here. Um, A signed CD from Blair Dunlop, exclusive backstage performance from Bella Hardy, um, signed copy of Our, The Long Road's American Wilderness Odyssey Companion, merch from our festival sponsor, The Sausage Man, discount codes for The Sausage Man too, loads of stuff. Um, so buy your backstage passes for Festival of the Artisan today at festivalofthearteisan.co.uk slash boxoffice. The Long Road will be releasing a couple of new music videos very soon and our new documentary, which followed us uh, in our recent recording sessions, which will be called The Rise of the Artisan, uh, which is an in-depth look into why we do what we do, what excites us about it, and why we hope it excites you too. Uh, Don't forget, if you like what we do, consider buying us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash thelongroadband. On to today's trio chat, the three of us, Steve, Kev and I, uh, we talk about where we'd love to play in the world. Now, as is our want here occasionally, um, I'm going to give you a little peek behind the curtain, as it were, uh, and let you glimpse our procedure when we do our trio chat recordings, a snapshot of our counting together so I can line up the three separate recordings, and the the subsequent nonsense chat that I would normally edit out. Um, I'm going to hand over now to me. guys were in time with each other for me just then the mysterious zoom algorithms are working out what these three guys do it's the same when we're playing that's why we're so good <laughs> <laughs> well, only two-thirds of the group are together does that mean we're getting tighter as a band <laughs> <laughs> yes. anyway um here we go 
Hello, everybody. Welcome to our chat with The Long Road. We've got Steve Bonham at home in Derbyshire. Hello, Steve. Coco Mo! <laughs> what? <laughs> Maybe I'm missing something here, but I don't know what language, what language is that, Steve? I've no idea! <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we've got Kev at home in Spain. Hello, Kev. Go after me, Nevena. Oh my God, what's that? And that was uh, Danish, more or less. Danish, yes, I'm thrilled. I, I've been waiting for Danish for months. So we're together today to talk about where we would like to play in the world. Uh, we can't play anywhere right now, but where would we like to play? At the moment, as you say, we'd be willing to play for the opening of an envelope, wouldn't we, really? <laughs> yes. At yeah. the moment. <laughs> or the fridge. <laughs> well, we can't play in mine at the moment because the light's broken so can't, oh have, can't have a show in my fridge at the moment i've often wanted to, to play in india and that that may be a possibility when lockdown's finished i've, I've got a possibility to play. and I, i'd love for us to play somewhere like india or goa or something like that you know our german tour was great and i would i would love to do extend that up into scandinavia personally i, I think there's two sorts of i mean like proper grown-up places, uh, yeah, I'd like to do some more gigs in the States. I'd like us to do some gigs in the States. Yeah. I'd love, you know, uh, I'd love that kind of on-the-road bit. And I'd like us to do it, you know, like a the the van version of gigging, you know. I don't think we're at the private jet version anyway. It would be great to drive across Canada as well and, you know, do yeah. gigs along the way. I, I love that. That idea. That is a route I've wanted to do for a long time. Actually, that that Canada, the rail rail route across Canada. Yeah, I mean, just anything like that. The tour we did in Germany in 2019 was great fun. I mean, I, I I've always loved hopping in a in a van in a motorhome and anything like that. So mm. um, across across the states or across Canada, something like that would be brilliant. It would be amazing in my book. Mm. It's, it's also great fun to play in daft places or surprising places. You know. Hmm. I remember sitting in the middle of Sahara Desert playing whiskey in a jar with a, <laughs> a Bedouin tribe. And uh, the, the Bedouin version of Shimmeray Damadou Daradara will haunt me forever. <laughs> <laughs> Some uh, things just don't translate, do they? No. And, and, then in, and then because they had a little bit of French trying to explain what the song was about was hysterical. Oh, that was funny, and I was yeah. talking actually to... Um, Bella Hardy, you know, who's headlining the Friday night at the Festival of the Artisan, and uh, she'd done a she'd done a year uh, a British Council musician in residence in China. Wow! wow. She'd been in one of the provinces which where there's lots of different ethnic groups, and uh, she ended up singing with them and working with them. You know, working in the fields and swapping mm. songs. Fantastic! And, uh, that that would be cool as well. So I think there's two paths to go down. There's the yeah, you know, of course, we'd all love to play Carnegie Hall or someone like that. Um, yeah. And I know, oh, Ken, there's, you've there's something to be, places, but... yeah, but there's something to be said for the exotic. You know, it's it's yeah. great. I mean, uh, and what we were talking about uh, some weeks back, I, I, I think I just hinted at it. The the idea of doing a tour of of the British Islands as opposed to the British Isles. Uh, we spoke actually. Uh, we haven't told you yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we always happy to, to hear uh, the news it's... to our Graham Steele who looks after the band's gigs and things now and you can see his eyes sparkle when we mentioned it to him last week oh, yeah think, watch this space watch that would be great I mean it covers t- it covers sort of two sides of what we enjoy it's a bit silly yeah but it also ticks the 
the sort of the journey box, the the people yeah. you meet along the way. And, and, I mean, and bringing music to the four, four corners, yeah. yeah and, the, you know. and people that live their lives in a completely different way to uh, even us three. Mm-hmm. It's a different different sort of life, isn't it? Oh, it'd be great. And fun. That, it would be it would be fascinating to meet some of those people and hear some of them. That's very documentary worthy, isn't it? I think. And it kind of goes back to the ancient role of a songwriter. I loved it. I was watching the documentary bit that we've got coming out soon, and your comment about being the songs being the digital memory uh, of the past. You know, the idea of taking songs to a place and then taking songs from a place, uh, either because you've written them or because you've been sung them. You know, they're they're just beautiful ideas, and uh, I I love that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, where we play that, it's great to daydream on it, isn't it? You know, just think... You know, and sometimes spectacular places matter. I remember once uh, I hitched down to the south of France when I was uh, about 18 or something with my mate Tim, and we busked along the uh, southern coast there playing it, as you did then. Mm-hmm. And then we heard that a band called Titanic were on in, uh, I think it was set, and we probably walked, I think we walked 20, 25 kilometres to get to this oh, gig. <laughs> and... Uh, and they were playing, and they were they were quite well known. I mean, you've probably come across them. It wasn't Kevin, that on your band tour. that had the hit with Sultana. Was Sultana, it? that's the very one. They were playing on a, on an outcrop. You know, it was a kind of semi-circular arena. With the uh, they were playing, and then there was this, the Mediterranean beyond it. Superb. Them playing this brilliant rock music as the sun went down in the Med. I, I'd love to do some yeah some places like that. Got to be warm though. Yeah. I remember when I when I was a, a teenager, I got to go on tour to Malta, uh, oh, and cool. we did a lo- did a load load of concerts around Malta. I remember one of them. It, it, it was, I suppose, these days that someone would probably label it a flash mob, where <laughs> it wasn't really. I mean, I'm sure it was planned a little bit, but it wasn't really planned to happen. Mm-hmm. Sorry to interrupt. Were, were they wearing clothes? We were wearing clothes. Yes, but was the audience because whenever someone uses the phrase flash mob. <laughs> I just remember the first time I came across it was people dancing naked in some Pancras station or something like that. Right. Dancing I, naked? Yeah, there was. I don't, I don't think it's meant it. to be flash taken literally, but uh, exactly that's how I remember it. So when everyone says flash mob, me. I immediately think of you had a naked audience. You know, uh, this was this was nipples in. This was <laughs> nipples bouncing in time to uh, <laughs> the beat of the tuba. Um, no, and the rattle Audio- of the snare drum causing. Oh. Fleshy ripples. I, uh, I, I feel that flash, flash mobs I've taken part in have fallen well short of this standard. Absolutely. <laughs> you mean, ha- I never realised you have to wear clothes. You don't have to. If you want to do a flash mob your way, you do it your way. Just you should how- feel empowered. To Free the nipple, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> Free the nipple. Wasn't it, wasn't it Anthony Gormley or somebody did it? You know, they were all naked. Yeah. Anthony well, Gormley. I mean, there's, there's loads, there's loads of naked, loads of naked things like that. But the flash mob I was, I was talking about with this was oh, clothes. Clothes, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's just be uh, clear on clothes. that. Yeah. But it, but it was. Um, there are was, instruments was, it, you could be naked to, <laughs> with, and instruments you really mustn't. I should think the trombone's a bit <laughs> risky. <laughs> Cello, you're probably all right with, aren't you? Actually. Double bass, you'll be fine with. Was it that? It was but, Thomas Beecham who fell out with a cello, a female cello player, and said, "Madam, <laughs> will you stop scratching that thing between your legs?" I <laughs> 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 
Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Malta, oh, wow. Malta, where wow. were we? Where were we? <laughs> <laughs> this is what kills us. This is what gets us, not the virus. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, well, I mean, my story. <laughs> Please continue, bitch. My, 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 my story pales in comparison. Now we've heard that oh, Thomas Beecham cello story. Oh. Oh. Um, and, you know, yes, what I was saying, so the, the, the thing I liked about this, um, you know, very, very Mediterranean approach to it was it was very chilled and for us it was terribly exciting because we'd only ever been involved in sort of very organized school concerts and things like that i mean or even you know playing for playing for the queen at pride park or um you know playing at the chatsworth house or whatever all very organized and regimented whereas this was we're just going to get off the bus we're going to you know drag the timps around and get the get everything out and just do a just do a a show and it was it was brilliant it's one of my favorite memories of that whole tour i mean I, i loved the Mediterranean sort of vibe of it all, anyway. I love Malta. Um, Malta's, that, that, a, Malta's a great place, actually. Yeah. And for me personally, one of the things that I did a lot of when I was uh, not actually at university, but at, just after university, and for the sort of the ten years after, I did a lot of um, gamelan playing. Learned how to play Indonesian music, mm. uh, and I've always always loved the idea of a going to Indonesia and actually play, and actually seeing more of it in real. Because I've, I've seen British versions over here, mm-hmm. but never never seen it in, in real life but also the notion of we, we did a bunch of projects here where we were bringing together a very british tradition of brass banding and this indonesian tradition of gamelan and fusing them together and we did these uh, they were called wayangs which were puppet shows mm-hmm. which is a very traditional indonesian thing accompanied by gamelan completely indonesian traditional thing but also we had our prisoners in the in the prison playing their brass instruments alongside it and you had this brilliant fusion that's of really cool two com- Two completely different cultures mm. telling stories uh, and that sort of thing. You, you know, I can imagine if if we, you know, all, all the all, uh, di- places that we call exotic, but just different places that different people yeah. live in. Mm. Um, whenever you get together, some, it inspires something. We're gonna, we'll, we'd be inspired by what we saw. And, that, and I'm sure people over there would be inspired by the, the sort of stories that we bring. So mm. anything like that has always sort of tickled my fancy. Yeah, the fusion absolutely. of stuff, the people you meet... The different cultures that can, yeah. you know, bump into each other to, to make new stuff. It's exciting. Mm. The, and the, I suppose the the big thing for me, Steve, Steve and I, when we started playing together over twenty years ago now, uh, for some reason we always said, one day when we make it, you know, Bish will be headlining the stadium in Reykjavik. Yeah, and that and and there's something about Reykjavik that's just stuck as a place to make it at. Well, you know, yes, yes Carnegie Hall, yes, the Royal Albert Hall, all these places. But for me, I don't even know if there is a stadium in Reykjavik. Well, and, day, and sadly, neither like do there. I. I was I was so close to going there. I I, I remember having a dalliance um, many many years ago in the. Uh, <laughs> can I can I see more nipples zooming? I've got you in front. tights with a codpiece. <laughs> <laughs> and I I was I was. Uh, <laughs> I, I I was briefly involved, and I mean briefly involved with um, an Icelandic cook, and she worked on one of the ships that plied their trade between Denmark and um, and Iceland. And uh, we were very close to getting a gig with my the band I was with at the time, Apollo, 
we were due to play in Reykjavik, um, and it oh, didn't. Wow. It didn't quite because I'm thinking, oh, I, I can once again strike up my relationship with this um, <laughs> this rather exotic Icelandic cook, and um, and it wasn't to be. So I, I oh, saw ni- I saw neither her nor Reykjavik ever again. So well for me, Reykjavik's on the list. One yeah. day, champs, we'll we'll make it to Reykjavik. Yeah. That's yeah. the plan. Yeah, let's do it. I've been listening to Life on Mars a couple of times this week. You know that wonderful song by David Bowie where Mickey Mouse grows up a cow and Lennon's on sale again and sailors fight on the dance floor. Just, just wonderful. It's a song that every time I hear it seems to change shape. Whatever mood I'm in, wherever I am, the song feels different. It conjures up another world that's strange and familiar at the same time. You don't know where you are, but you know you're there. From Ibiza to the Norfolk Broads. Makes me think again of the idea of next two worlds which has haunted me all my life. Those strange worlds that exist in every place I've ever visited. Tinanorgan Island, Valhalla in the north, Olympus, the three realms in Asia. And in all those places, which are ancient and timeless, things are not different. They're disturbingly familiar, but more so. Things are bigger and darker and more evil and more good and more light and more dark. In Namibia, you find on outcrops up in the Irongo Mountains, strange geometric shapes alongside paintings of kudu, giraffe, people. They're the places that the Bushmen went when they danced themselves into a trance. Familiar and different at the same time. I think this idea of an extra world is, is the thing that songwriters do. We create next two worlds and invite people in. All songs do this. They allow us to inhabit, to fill another space, even if it's for a moment. A space in which things that didn't make sense make sense. And we see the reality that we so firmly believe in has edges which we can tumble off like Alice down the rabbit hole to a completely different place. But then there are songs like Life on Bars which really go for it. They cast off from the shore of our perceived reality and take us more strongly and firmly into another place and demand things of us. I love lyrics that do that. I love melodies that do that. I was looking up what the background to this song was before I recorded this and found this wonderful idea by Neil McCormick, found in, of all places, 
the rather sensible Daily Telegraph. Making Life on Mars one of his greatest songs, if not the greatest song of all time, he wrote, A stirring, yearning melody combines with vivid poetic imagery to accomplish a trick very particular to the art of song, to be at once completely impenetrable, yet resonant with personal meaning. You want to raise your voice and sing along, yet Bowie's abstract cut-up lyrics force you to invest the song with something of yourself, just to make sense of the experience, and then carries you away to a place resonant with intense, individual emotion. The magic and the mystery of music and lyrics. It is something to behold. Too right. Too right, Neil, you've nailed it. It casts a spell. And we are drawn in. As I said, you don't know where you are. But you know you are there. I too have striven to be a sorcerer's apprentice on Desolation Row or just a journeyman in the great guild of happiness's warm gun to try to walk to the seat with the clearest view, sidestepping the prison door of what is this song about and try to do a little conjuring in Silver Moon, Silver Girl in the Song Canyons and some time way back in Peep Show. When the wind is howling outside your door Friends you can count on, you're not quite so sure You find you're standing on the wrong side of the road Love 
from Steve Bonham and The Long Road. Uh, and here is another of the, the songs that Steve mentioned just then. This one is Silver Moon, Silver Girl. Drank so deep from seven wells Said, come on girl, let's give them hell They're waiting for the final bell Sold their souls as far as I can tell Give me a taste of some fire the world out there is catching fire That old damn mule has lost a tie The angels and the saints conspired Leave me just a gun for hire Give me a taste of some fine Silver moon, silver girl Take me to simmer on Silver moon, silver girl From 66 on Santa Fe Silence blow away, live to love another day
that I said Heart is hollow, it's easily Hello listeners and welcome to another episode of Kev's Café Corner. You join me again on the Camino de Santiago. I awoke early on the morning of Sunday, October the 11th, in the picturesque town of Villa Viciosa and got straight on the road, calling in at a service station café en route for breakfast. Had I known exactly what was ahead of me that day, I probably would have stayed for lunch and dinner as well. The cafe was some way up a hill out of town and as I left it, fed and watered, I could see the gradient continued on behind the trees and into the distance. I walked and walked. The hill wasn't easing up. I was climbing relentlessly. It was tough going. I kept an eye on the road signs. Three kilometres, four. Still no respite, still climbing, The scenery opened out across the valley as I pressed on. It was a verdant green paradise. You lock into something when it gets tough. You adopt a rhythm with your footsteps, the tap and the push of your staff, and your mind opens up. I made up sayings and verse, whirling free form through my mind as I walked. Looking out at the mist-shrouded peaks around me, this came to mind. The clouds are like the mountain's jealous mistress. They never leave their side. And another. There is no more welcoming sight than that of a picnic bench after hours in the wilderness. I was really having to dig in. I couldn't believe I was still climbing, twisting, turning, the endless tease of the blind bend that never quite seemed to offer the levelling off that I craved. Sometimes the rain was heavy and I would press close to one of the huge eucalyptus trees that lined the road, trying to shelter beneath the canopy of its leaves. After one such downpour and rounding another bend, I finally crested the summit. I had been climbing continually for eight kilometres. Relieved to be heading downhill, I once more took in the stupendous vista that stretched out before me. I truly love the natural beauty of the Asturias region. I eventually reached the bottom of the next valley and saw, to my delight, a roadside pub. I decided to stop for lunch. I'd certainly worked up an appetite. I plumped for chorizo a la sidra, a local speciality which, translated into English, is worthy of a carry-on film script. It was delicious and I washed it down with a Coke. I don't generally drink Coke or any fizzy drinks really, but every so often it's exactly what I need and so it proved today. As I set off again, as if I needed any reminder that this was an apple-producing region, I came across two of the most massive cider barrels I'd ever seen, so big you could live in them. It wasn't long before I was climbing again. A winding road, taking me back out of the valley to who knows where. It seems to me that the ocean waits until the very last moment to give you that much-needed boost, and today was no exception. As I crested the final hill... I saw it in the distance, a thin band of deep blue, selling me the promise of Gijon, eventually. Next week, I discover a guitar.
gently incoherent, but nevertheless brief, Bishop's Daily Bread this week, uh, musing on a sort of outcrop from a, a recentish topic here, uh, but based in the reality of my life this week. Um, we've just passed Pancake Day here in the UK. I've actually got no idea if it happens in other countries. Presumably it does, as it's based on this old religious tradition. Um, the religious part of this has precisely zero interest for me, much like Christmas. Um, but the food part definitely does interest me. Again, much like Christmas. Um, so this this week I wanted to try to recreate pancakes that I, I must have talked about a little bit in my pancake segment from a few weeks ago. A particular sort of French pancake, a Breton pancake, uh, made with buckwheat flour, most usually a, a savoury... Savoury? <laughs> God is playing a part in today's chat. Most usually a savoury pancake, served with ham and cheese and egg, uh, and the, the edges folded over to make it a square pancake, which is precisely what I went for, cheese, ham and egg, and folded over in a square. Uh, I'd never made a buckwheat pancake before, but I, I guess here's the two things that I've been sort of ruminating on as part of this culinary process this week. Can the reality of trying to recreate a, a memory ever match up to, you know, the memory itself. Almost like the fiction of the memory. Uh, I'm sure some clever person on Twitter once explained that we actually remember more about, more of memories of memories than the actual event in the memory, if you get me. Um, so they're already a sort of construct in our heads. The perfection in my head of this crispy-edged, super-thin, dark and flavoursome pancake with, you know, tangy cheese and salty ham and an oozing egg nestled inside. Can reality ever match up to that? I'm torn. In a way, perhaps like meeting your heroes, the advice seems to be not to do it. Um, perhaps better to live with the, the perfect memory than to spoil it with an imperfect reality. Although, I also subscribe to the belief that trying and failing isn't the same as you're never going to get there. Some things just take time and practice. And allowing yourself to fail is absolutely, it's a vital part of practice. Fear of failure is one of the big things that holds people back from achieving things. So this week, I attempted, you know, Breton pancakes. And they were fine, but only fine. They didn't blow me away. They didn't match up to that memory I had in my head. But, you know, that's cool. Um, I'll try them again soon enough. And they'll be different, hopefully better. Um, one day... I'll be able to capture at home some of that sort of holiday freeness that I associate with this particular pancake meal. Uh, you know, perhaps lockdown is just particularly starting to bite now. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful for the, the vivid transport that music and food uh, provide to take you to these other places. <laughs> That's it for this week. Thank you for listening wherever in the world you are. Remember to subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, and YouTube as well. The next episode will be out next Friday. Join us on YouTube for the Transatlantic Connection Show and become part of the Transatlantic Connection movement. Head to youtube.com slash thelongroadband. If you fancy buying us a coffee, you now can at buymeacoffee.com slash thelongroadband. It's dead simple. Just drop us a few quid to support what we do. It even accepts Apple Pay and Google Pay. Super easy. All of our music and merch is on Bandcamp, you can help support a positive ecosystem for the music industry. Download streaming, vinyl, CDs, companion book, it's all there. Thelongroadband.bandcamp.com We're on Patreon at patreon.com slash thevagabondway. Big thank you to our Patreons and a special shout out to 
Orla Flynn, James Lydon, Stuart Lydon, Yvette Lydon and Trish Taylor. Thank you for your ongoing support. If you'd like to support us, become a vagabonder. You'll get free digital stuff and merchandise in the post if you want it. Help us create something different, something that entertains and something that inspires others. Join us on the journey and release The Vagabond Within, patreon.com slash thevagabondway. Thank you once again, brave adventurers, vagabonds and explorers, for joining us on The Vagabond Way. Remember, the world isn't beige. It's authentic, it's rich, and it's real. Embrace every last bit of it. Until next time, the journey goes ever on with The Long Road. Bye for now. Thank you.